Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Go ahead and stand with me. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yes, the Spirit of God is in the place. That was a beautiful, beautiful song. Got a question for you. Have you ever thought this to yourself? Will this ever end? Hopefully the sermon will not be one of those times. <laughs> have you ever thought, have you ever said this? I just don't see an end inside. I think we've all been there. Let's look to Peter here, get some wisdom. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and in proper time he will exalt you. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. We thank you for what we feel in this place, God. What a beautiful time of worship. Enlighten our hearts, we pray, that we may change and be transformed more and more like you every day. Speak to our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor as is our custom. I just love to hear good fellowship. I was 17 years old. I'd just gotten my license, say 17 or 18. It's funny. I used to be able to remember things like the farther I get away from 16, 17. I'm like, ah, I was between 16 and 18, somewhere in there. Anybody else with me on that? Yeah, you're like, way back in the day. Okay. I was 16 or 17, 18 years old. The school had just been called. It was like 2 or 3 o'clock, and the roads had just iced over, and I had a 1996 Chevy Cavalier front-wheel drive nicest thing I ever owned in my life and I'm telling you up to that point I'm telling you that before then it was a 73 Ford Courier you guys remember those with the pop-out vents that was the air conditioning the crank down windows when it would flood sometimes it would come in the doors you know oh no this one had AC this one was uptown but I was leaving school that day and I thought you know what I'm gonna have some fun I've got a front-wheel drive I'm gonna see how this dude handles on the road that's icy So I take off and I'm going back and forth and having a blast until all of a sudden I'm not having a blast. And I start to spin and I hit the embankment so hard on the side of the road that on my front, I believe it was my passenger side, it knocks the tire completely off the wheel. Like I have a flat. And the first thing that came to my mind was this. My parents are going to kill me. Anybody else have any parents like that? Yeah, you guys had some. Some of you are like, I'm a parent like that. Wow, okay. I remember that moment because I remember the last person on earth that I wanted to call and tell that I was an idiot to was my dad. Especially when you're under their insurance. You know, just, it just makes for a bad time. So I remember getting out of my car, not having a jacket on, running a mile in the snow and ice to my friend's house because I was not going to make that phone call. I, went, I said, I need your help. Could you pull me out of the ditch and get me to a tire? I think it was 10 years after that happened before my parents ever knew that that happened. <laughs> I'm, I kid you not. I remember us going to get the tire fixed in his short, wide bed, Z71 black, and he was having fun all over the roads, and I was thinking, don't get stuck, man, because if you get stuck now, we're really in a bind. I'm going to have to <laughs> come clean. <laughs> I wasn't worried about his truck getting stuck. I was worried about my beating that I might got. <laughs> Well, good news is we got the tire on and fixed it. I didn't care how much it cost to fix. It didn't matter. Whatever I had to dig down, I was going to get it done. But I remember this. The beginning started out so much fun. I was having a blast. 
And then the ending came, and the ending was not near as great as the beginning. Peter here is trying to teach us something that as children, of the, as children of God, we can have a little bit different hope. We can have a hope for a greater ending than beginning. See, see God has an ending for us, and that ending is planned. We just got to realize that the ending that God has for us would be better than the beginning. So Peter's saying this, and, and at the very end here, he, he gets us to this place where God wants to exalt you, and he helps us understand there's some things we have to go through, and, and we'll get, get there here in a minute. But the ending that God has in store is better than the one that we could write for ourselves. It's better than the one that we could, we could create if we'll just trust him and say, God, I know that you have an ending, and the ending that you have is better than my beginning. Now, this is a great question. We, we shouldn't be afraid to bring God our questions and say, God, will this ever end? I feel like I've been in this place or this position or this sickness or this difficulty. And God, will there ever be a time whenever I rise out of this situation and it is no more? Has anybody ever felt like that? God, help us. Help me. Now, it's a great question that we go. We go through, the, 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 we go through Scripture and we see that this was one that was asked through the centuries. If we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, getting a little bit of wisdom from Solomon. This is what he says. Better is the ending of a thing than its beginning. Have you guys ever been in one of those things? My good God, that's over. But this is what he says. He adds to it and he says, And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. But even Solomon was saying, Listen, you get to a point where you realize that the beginning is not all it's cracked up to be. But we need the ending that God has for us, not our own ending. This is how Job puts it. Job chapter 8, verse 7. And though your beginning was small. Now listen to these words. Though your beginning was small. It's very important. Though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. Somebody shout amen. amen. I don't know what you're going through, what your situation is. But as children of the Most High God, we have some hope. We have some help that the ending of whatever we're going through, the situation, the circumstance, if we lean into Christ and what he has to offer us, it can be better than the beginning. I know there were some things you got off the road, you stumbled, you failed. There were some situations you didn't ask for, you definitely didn't want. And you're thinking, man, will ever I ever rise above the ashes? I want to encourage you this morning that Job helps us understand that your latter days can be better than your first days. Amen? Very great. Because God has an ending, and the ending that God has will be greater than the beginning. But we have to trust Him. We have to know that we can lean in. The year is 2009. I'm sure some of you guys even know where you were. The date is January 15th. It is 3.20 at LaGuardia Airport. And everything is very normal. Passengers getting on planes, passengers getting off planes, people picking up their luggage. Captain Solenberger is the captain of flight 1549, and it is about to take off. Matter of fact, its departure time is 3.25 p.m. Like everything else, they hit the runway, they take off, everything is really, really good. Then at 3.29, this is your captain, prepare for impact. That's not really something you want to hear four minutes into your flight. That's not something you want to hear ten minutes. That's not something, you know, you're like, this is your captain. Please feel free to roam around the cabin. We're cruising at an altitude of 30,000, you know. 
That's what you want to hear, not this is your captain, embrace for impact. That's what they heard. Now, he had three different options. There's 150 passengers on the plane. There's crew and, and, and of course, all of his pilots that are in the cockpit and all the things that you have on a plane. And, and he's got to make a decision. He can either turn around and go back to LaGuardia, but he feels like he can't really make it on the runway. He can go to a place in New Jersey where he can land the plane, one of their airports, but he, he just doesn't feel like he can get there. As he was ascending into the air, he, he hit a flock of Canada geese. And what they did is they pretty much destroyed his engines where he could not have any thrust to continue to climb. And at one point, he was just flying. And he had one decision left, and he said, I can land this in the Hudson. Now, this is what's interesting about it is from the time they took off at 325 to about 332, 333, it was all over with. There was eight minutes in there. And if you think with me for a minute, at 329, Embrace for Impact, the beginning started. What would be going through your mind? What would be the situation? I'm sure that we would all be doing our own thing. Three and a half minutes later is what they gauge us at, that he was in the Hudson. He had to make a lot of decisions really quick. I guess that's the reason why they call it a miracle on Hudson because there's like a million things, no doubt, that he had to do right to get it to where he got it to. He landed. All, all the passengers were safe. The crew was safe. I think there was one laceration that they were able to get surgery and get that fixed, but there was no lives lost or anything like that. And you can see this airways flight, and you can imagine what they were going through and as children of God, sometimes those type of things happen to us. Everything is good until it's not. And then we're wondering, God, how is this thing going to end? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, God, I know you have my best interest, but at this moment, I don't really feel like my best interest is where it needs to be. And it's an amazing story that they land and everybody evacuates and the things that happened in the in the in the cockpit and and with all the stewardess and these different type of things it was just an amazing amazing thing and the ending was greater than the beginning and you and i as children of god can rest easy and know that listen god whatever i'm going through whatever circumstance i'm facing if i truly trust you i can know one thing that the ending will be greater than the beginning but i have to trust you See, Peter is talking about this. He says this. He says, humble yourselves, therefore. I mean, he immediately goes into it. But before we get to the humbling, before we get to that, I want to encourage you because at the end it says that he will exalt us. See, we should get excited to know that our God is for us and not against us. I mean, we're on his side. We're, we're children of the most high God. I know that it doesn't look okay and some things are difficult and frustrating and aggravating. The, the thing's been hanging around the illness and you're trying to do everything you know to do. The relationship, the marriage, it's frustrating. But I want to encourage you this morning that whenever you walk out, know that God is for you and not against you because Peter says that he can't well, not wait if you will to exalt us right. now let's make sure we interpret that very well because exalting means to lift up it doesn't mean we're going to go above God how many of us know that no matter how high God takes us he's still higher amen 
But, but, but this is the good news is he wants to take us out of the muck and the mire and the sin. He wants to take us out uh, uh, of the place where we feel like we're hopeless and, and we cannot go further. And God, I don't see a way out. He wants to remove those situations from our life. But we got to trust him because God has an ending and his ending will be greater than the beginning. But we trust him. He wants to exalt us. He wants to lift us out of those places. He wants to do those things for us. Any good parent wants to do that for their child. But there's some things that we have to do. There's some situations that we have to go through. So I hope you guys still love me after this because we're going to talk about a little bit of suffering. Look at your neighbor and go, oh, I wish that wasn't in the Bible. (laughs) Me too, but it's in there and we're going to talk about it. And the first thing that that Peter helps us understand is to humble yourselves, therefore. Humble yourselves. Now, humility just means this, that my needs are not as important as your needs. So, God, when I'm on your agenda, it's your agenda that's more important than my agenda. I mean, I know I need some stuff, and I need you to intervene and to change, but I'm going to do what you say to do because your things are more important than my things. And that's what it means to humble yourself under the mighty hand. So, So, therefore, humble yourselves, or humble yourselves, therefore. Humility is one of those things that's really easy to say and very hard to do, amen? Especially when you think you're right in the fight. Look at your spouse. You know what I'm talking about. Humility is hard. Easy to say, hard to do. And we're talking about Peter, who wasn't always the greatest as we've seen him grow through the Bible at being humble. But he understands. Now we're talking to Peter here in a little bit of his old age. He's got some age on him and he's, he's pressing on and he's looking back over some things. That's the reason why he says, humble yourself, therefore. And whenever we see a therefore in the Bible, we want to look back and see what the therefore is there for. And if you look in the verses, cha- verses 1 through 5 there in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, what you see is he begins to talk to elders. He begins to talk to some people who've been around the church for a while, who maybe have some position and some influence. And he says, listen there's a certain way you got to act as you lead the church as you guide the church we have an eldership here and they do a great job a lot of time sacrificed a lot of things that people don't see that they invest in and they do and we believe it's very biblical with our eldership and our deacons but but peter is talking to these type of people and talking to other people i mean this is good information for us all to know especially as we grow in authority we grow in position and basically he says listen you got to lead with humility you cannot lord over people you do not lead to get the benefit you lead so the people that you're leading can have the benefit and don't worry because god sees your needs and he'll take care of them that's what we all want to hear isn't it come on now go ahead and curl them toes up a little bit okay and then he gets to verse five because he's not done In verse 5, he says, You who are younger, likewise. Oh, you got to love Peter, man. He doesn't hold back. He gets everybody. Gets the old, the young, the leaders. He goes, listen, you who are younger, you got to walk with humility too. One of the hardest things is to get the older to, to, to communicate with the younger and the younger to communicate with the older. It's difficult. Whenever you have a 40, 50 year gap, I mean, there's a lot of things that people experience and been through and there's some that people haven't experienced and technology changes and all of it is different communication styles, the way we dress, the way we talk. And it's difficult, right? That's the reason why Peter's saying, listen, humble yourselves, therefore. 
Humble yourselves. Get into a point where it's, listen, that other person's needs are more important. It doesn't matter age or gender or circumstance or situation. I want to humble myself. And what he's leading us to is the end that only God can write. But if we don't humble ourselves, what we do is we step up and say, God, I'm going to write the ending of my story. And this is the only problem with that is we're imperfect. We don't know the future. And if we'll get out of the cockpit and say, God, you are the one who is piloting this thing, and I'm going to give it to you. But so many times we sacrifice that. Think how crazy it would be that the co-pilot looked at Captain Sully for short, not disrespectful, that's what they called him, Captain, Captain Sully, and said, you know what, I know you've been training your entire life for this, probably for this moment, but won't you just let me do it for you? Or even more ridiculous, a, pas a passenger getting up and knocking on the door. I mean, like, hey, Sully! First of all, I don't think you'd be that happy if you're flying into the Hudson, you know? <laughs> Won't you get back here in the back seat, trade places with you? I mean, this is going to be my last hurrah. I might as well make it good. How many times, because of doubt or fear or frustration or aggravation, we switch God's seats and say, you know what? I'm going to pilot this thing, God. And then we wonder why things don't happen like we want them to happen, and it's difficult. Humble yourself. I was talking to my friend Hodge yesterday. We went to his house, and he has some medical struggles. Wonderful man, loves Jesus, loves his family. Matter of fact, back there you are, Hodge. I love you. I had permission to tell this story. He said that he was going through a little bit, and he said, man, it's always hard to ask for help. Because when you're a giver and you're a doer, and many of us are like that, we know that it's hard to ask for help. And he said this to me. He said, Matt, my wife and I just linked hands and we said this. We said, God, we need your help. We can't do what we need to do right now. We need your help in this moment. He said, no quicker than they prayed that prayer, the phone rang and it was his friend Brian that called him. And Brian didn't say, how you doing? He didn't say, I hope everything is well. The first thing that he said is, Hodge, what can I do for you? And he said, there is no doubt in my mind that God answered my prayer. But we have to step over and say, okay, now I'm under the mighty hand of God. I cannot do it. Humble yourselves, therefore. See, you got to love Peter because he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. See, it's a big neon sign pointing back to Jesus Christ. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more difficult or more frustrating than somebody saying, yeah, come over to the house. And then they don't tell you where they live. They don't mean it. <laughs> they don't want you to come over. They're just being nice. You know? Oh, if they're motivated enough, they'll look it up. You know what I mean? Thank God Peter's not like that. Peter says, listen, I'm going to tell you where to go. You don't just go to things that make you feel good. You don't go to pleasures. You don't go to dependencies. You don't go to friends' opinions. You don't go to those things. Instead, you run up underneath the mighty hand of God, and you stay there and see if he won't deliver, see if he won't change your situation. you got to love Peter. I mean, he's an older man. I mean, he's talking out of some wisdom. And I don't think he was probably this intense when he was writing the letter, you know? But I wonder if in the mind he was thinking about that under the mighty hand of God. Matthew chapter 14, 15, we see the famous story where Jesus sends the disciples and he says, meet me on the other side. 
And they're, they're doing their best to row against the waves and the storm comes up and they can't go any further. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking along the water. You guys know that story. It's interesting because it says, he would have passed them by, but they call out unto him. And he comes into the boat. And then we see the famous scene where Peter says, Lord, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Jesus says, come. And we see that Peter gets out of the boat. And of course, the storm and the waves and the seas and all those things begin to cover up his vision and things that God's trying to do, and he begins to sink. But he does one thing right. Well, there's a lot of things that it really does right because it takes a lot of guts to get out of the boat sometimes, doesn't it? He got out of the boat. But whenever he got distracted and began to sink, he called out unto his Lord. Now remember, humble yourselves. He will exalt you. That means to lift you up. So think about that scenario. I can't help but imagine. Now, this is matology, not theology necessarily. But in my mind of thinking, I'm wondering, as Peter is writing this passage of Scripture, did he not bring himself back to that point where he was sinking and saying, God, I need your help. And Jesus reaches down his hand and begins to pick him back up out of the water because he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. Emmanuel. God with us. Very powerful thought. But we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. David was a man after God's own heart. And he led Israel and did a lot of amazing things. He also had a lot of difficulties in his life too. Some was brought on by himself. Others were not. Others, he just had a mark on his life from God. And there comes difficulties with that. And we see that in Psalms 62, David begins to teach us something. Excuse me, Psalms 63. And we begin to see that he cries out now. 63 and 42, which we'll get to here in a second, are, are believed to be written by David. And really, whenever he was on the run, either from Absalom or from Saul, they really don't know. But you begin to see the psalmist's heart as he begins to pour it out. He begins to humble himself under the mighty hand of God. Oh God, you are my God. How many of you guys have ever prayed that prayer? Sometimes that's all I can bellow out at times of difficulty and frustration, times I don't understand. I'll be in my living room and nobody else will be around and I'll just lift up my, my, my hands to the sky and my voice and my eyes and say, God, I know one thing, you are my God. That's what I know. I don't know about anything else sometimes because it seems like sinking sin, but I do know one thing, that you are my God. And I love David. Because despite all of his difficulties and his failures, one thing that he knew is he loved God and he was going to serve him. See, early will I seek you. And then he begins to say this, that my soul thirsts for you. Then he begins to talk about his flesh. Begins to talk about how my flesh longs for you in a, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And you begin to see how he just pours himself out in the Psalms. It begins to humble himself and say, there's one thing that I know that I have to go, a place where I have to go, and that's under you. You are my refuge. You are my shelter. Oh, God, my God. In Psalms 42, chapter 1, we see David's heart revealed again. And it's in a similar situation. And, oh, this is the wonderful song. You guys already know this scripture. You got to love the King Jimmy, baby. I love it. You can see the poetry drip from David's lips as he is writing a love letter unto his God. 
the sacred and the holiest words reserved for his God, how he truly felt. Not that a, not that a woman couldn't make him feel that way, his friend couldn't make him feel that way, position couldn't make him feel this way. There was one thing, and it was his God. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. As the deer comes out into a vulnerable place, God, I set before you. Because I know you're the only thing that will cure this thing inside of me. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And in due time. Now, this is where it gets difficult because we're talking about timing. Now, this is one thing I know about the Lord's timing. The Lord's timing is not my timing, and my timing is not the Lord's timing. Can I get an amen on that? Many times when I go to God, this could be just me, but many times when I go to God, I'm like, God, I could have used that yesterday, to be honest with you. You know? Uh, see, it makes sense what Peter is saying here because in verse 7, he tells us what do we do in the timing, what do we do in the time that we wait. Because God has timing and he's not ready to pull you out of your position or move you yet because there's some, still some things he wants to accomplish. And I don't want you to feel bad because you have anxiety, because you have pressure, because you have difficulties. Hey, man, that's part of life. That's part of what God does whenever you begin to deal with your life and say, God, I'm living your dream and not my dream. You can expect some resistance, amen? So don't be discouraged because we know this one thing, that God has an ending and his ending is going to be greater than the beginning, amen? And his ending will be greater than any ending that either one of us could write for ourselves. Timing. Verse 7. Casting all your cares or all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. J.B. Phillips' version. Casting all your cares upon him because you are his personal concern. So what do you do while you're waiting? You wait in expectation, but you go to God and say, there's some stuff I got to cast on you. There's some stuff I need to give to you because I can't handle it. And don't be discouraged. The relationship is difficult. The sickness is real. The frustration and the anger, those are very normal emotional patterns for people. And it's okay to have those patterns, just don't let the patterns have you. So we get stuck in a cycle, but we go to God and say, I'm casting this on you. It's amazing, the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 12. He's talking to everybody, or, or the, the author is talking to everyone, and he says this. you got to strive. It's the struggle against sin. So what do you do in the timing? I strive and I struggle. Peter continues to write in, in verses five through uh, in verses seven through eight and he helps us understand that we've got to be watchful we got to stand firm we got to know that during that time that God hasn't moved us that he hasn't forgotten us but we're taking our feet and we're digging them in and saying God I will watch for one thing I will watch for your movement and what you do Peter says be watchful be sober-minded and of course the famous verse we know because the devil rolls around like a prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour now why does he say that there? Because the devil wants to attack us when we're most vulnerable. And at times, whenever God's really using us, it becomes difficult. We're emotionally raw. We're fatigued. We're tired. God has us in a situation we didn't ask for. Have you ever been angry with God a little bit? Better not let that hang around. It's normal, but you better not let that hang around. It's the struggle against those type of things. 
Paul writes that, hey, listen, I understand. I struggle with anxiety daily in the churches that I've planted and put together. I mean, this is normal stuff. So don't be discouraged. But this is what happens. The temptation to surrender looks like the temptation to settle. Don't settle for your ending. Settle for God's ending. The temptation to surrender is disguised as the temptation to settle. Don't settle for the chapter you can write. Settle for what God can write. Don't settle for what you can do. Settle for what God can do. And, and the last part of this, and the last part of this here, this is, this is really good, and, and we're going to end right here, but this is really good. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 but may the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, there it is again after you've suffered a little while. But then he says this is going to, be, this is going to happen. He's going to perfect us. He's going to establish us. He's going to strengthen us. And we're going to settle by Christ. We're going to be settled by his spirit, not settled in the thing, but he's going to settle us. And some of you guys need that. You've been in a situation, you need God to establish you where you're, at, where you're at. Don't give up because he wants to establish you. You need strength for what you're enduring. Don't give up. Say, God, I'm here. I'm ready to accept your strength. Accept those things. And then let the settling of the Holy Spirit come all over you and say, though the winds blow, though I hear the howling of the wolves, though I see the movement of my enemy, I will be watchful and I will stand still. And I will take my eyes and fix them on you. Because as David said, Oh God, you are my God. And God, the ending that you have for me is greater than the beginning. And the ending that you have for me is greater than anything I could write myself. So I surrender. I settle into your Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, you're amazing, and our hearts are bowed to you in this moment. We're going to do this a little different this morning. If you're in your seats right now, and you'd say, Matt, that's me. You say, I don't know which way to turn. If you're not saved, I want to encourage you. The very first step is giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Saying, God, I've settled for the things of the world now. The only thing I'm going to settle for is you. But if you would say as a child of God, Pastor Matt, that's, I'm going through something right now. And I don't see the end, but I know that God has the ending. But I just need a little bit of encouragement. Would you slip your hand up for me? Just right there where you're set. Ready? One, two, three. That's me. That's me, Pastor Matt. You can stick it up and put it down. That's right. You're acknowledging it to God, really. You're saying, God, I'm humbling myself under your mighty hand. Anybody else? There you go. Good. It's hard. It's difficult to say, God, I need help because I don't understand. We're going to pray for you as you sit in your seat. Father, you saw the hands that went up and our heart is bowed to you right now. And we don't, we don't take this moment lightly. 
And we ask that you move in a mighty way on their behalf. Their situation at work, their situation with their family, their health crisis, their financial crisis or mental crisis or emotional situation. God, you see it. And I pray that today would be the beginning, God, that they begin to see that your ending is gonna be greater than how it began. That the end is in sight. You haven't forgot about them. God, in you will strengthen and establish and settle them in their spirit. Father, with our heart bowed, we ask that you move on a mighty way on their behalf, God. Would you stand with me all over the congregation? Pastor Mike, I've asked him to come up, and I want him to lead this last portion of the altar call. Of course, his mother was a wonderful educator. And I'm going to ask all the educators, the teenagers, everybody that's starting school, we want to have special prayer for you this morning. Would you slip out of your seats even as I speak right now? Go ahead and slip out of your speak, uh, 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 seats, all the administration, teachers, coaches, teachers. How many of us know school's starting and we need some prayer? Amen. Let's give them a hand just to say we appreciate what they're doing. Yeah, come down here to the front. Come down here to the front, squeeze in teachers, coaches, principals. Pastor Mike's going to come up because he's got some wonderful news about some bags that we're given. Now, as they move up, I'm going to ask, would, would some of us just slip out of our seats and let's just begin to surround them, amen? Let's just come down and surround them. Stretch out your hands and we're going to pray a prayer, a blessing over them. Pastor Mike will. Well, if you uh, got here a little bit late, you know, for several years, we've been filling backpacks up for school kids that everybody take a step or two forward here. And if you're going off to college, we want you to be up here also. But we've been filling backpacks up for kids that may not could afford their school supplies. You know, some of us may have some memories going to school. You didn't have what you need. That's a little embarrassing, isn't it? It makes you feel pretty bad. So we want to make sure all the kids had what they needed. And, and for years, we've, uh, as a church, have been providing that. So I've been helping some churches in Arkansas. And they said, well, Pastor Mike, we're going to start doing that. And I said, that's awesome. Y'all start doing that. And they said, and we're going to send 100 backpacks to Hope Academy. So, you know, whatever you sow, that you shall also reap, right? And there is no more formative years than when you're in school. And certainly we want to be a blessing to all those who are going to school, starting school, and those who are going to influence them, coaches and administrators and teachers and all the people who are part of that, you know, people who are in school boards and those who are, you know, auxiliary and, and, and support teams. So I want you to pray for all of those up here because this is so very important that we bless our children, we bless our teachers, bless our educators, because we're not just wanting to be a church sitting on the corner for 100 years. We want to be influential in our community with our young people, right? Come on, pray a prayer for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would just bless and keep. Lord, you would just open up minds and lives for information, education. But most of all, Lord, we're praying a blessing upon our students, 
our educators, those who are working in that circle of influence. Lead them, guide them, cause them, Lord, to feel your leadership. Just as we've heard today, there's some tough times, but Lord, you direct our steps. You give us the ending. And Lord, as we are led by you and we feel the movement of your Holy Spirit, we believe that we are victorious over everything that would come against us. You're our God. You're our provider. You are the light that leads our path. So, Lord, today, bless, direct, keep us, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hopefully I'll see you tonight. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.